0: My guest in today's show has implemented personalization for Amazon, Zappos, Audible.com, Internet Movie Database, and over 50 other platforms. He's going to share tips on how you can effectively harness the power of machine learning and personalization to upsell and cross-sell products in your online retail store. Do stay tuned. (music)
1: Welcome to the 2X E-Commerce Podcast Show, where we interview founders of fast-growing seven- and eight-figure e-commerce businesses and e-commerce experts. They'll tell their stories, share how they 2X their businesses, and inspire you to take action in your own online retail business today. And now, here he is, the man in the mix, Kuhn Campbell.
0: Hi, 2xers. Welcome to the 2x e commerce podcast show. And I'm your host, Kune Campbell. And this is the podcast where I interview e commerce entrepreneurs and online retail marketing experts who uncover new e commerce marketing tactics and strategies to help you, my fellow 2xers, grow metrics that matter in your online stores. So if you're looking to grow metrics such as conversions, Average order value, repeat customers, traffic, and ultimately sales, you are in the right place. On today's show, I have with me Saurabh Nangai. He is the founder and CEO of Targeting Mantra, a SaaS-based personalization and targeting platform that enables small and medium-sized e-commerce companies cross-sell and upsell like Amazon. Saurabh is a personalization and machine learning veteran. He has an MSC in machine learning with five patents pending in the recommendations domain. He's a renowned speaker of machine learning, personalization, and real-time user behavior. In the last seven years, he's worked on personalization engines for Amazon, IMDB.com, Zappos, Audible, and over 50 other companies spanning across e-commerce marketplaces travel and other online portals on today's show sarah will be talking to us about personalization in e-commerce and its impact on conversions without further ado i'd like to welcome sarah to the show welcome to the show sarah
2: thanks thanks a lot Kinley. it's a pleasure to be here
0: fantastic could you take a a minute or two to to tell um uh, our listeners more about you
2: Sure. Um, As you mentioned, I used to work uh, within Amazon before, so I was working on personalization for Amazon and Amazon-owned subsidiaries. It was while I was working at Amazon that I built recommendations for IMDb, Zappos, Audible, and a bunch of Amazon subsidiaries at that point. Slowly, what I realized is that a lot of these leading e-commerce companies, they don't have the best personalization solution out there. Mm -hmm. That led me to the idea of starting Targeting Mantra, where I can create a personalization platform along with a marketing automation platform for all the e-commerce companies out there. So I decided to use my knowledge from my studies, from my uh, master's in machine learning, and my background with handling data within Amazon and building recommendations for Amazon subsidiaries to create Targeting Mantra. And we started with Targeting Mantra in October 2013, and this is where we are today.
0: Fantastic. So um, when did you start working with Amazon? What's the period?
2: So I was at Amazon from 2010 to 2013 for around three years, and uh, Yeah, one of the first projects which I worked out at Amazon was uh, building recommendations for IMDb. And the second one was building for Audible. Third one was for building for Zappos. Fourth one was for building for Lovefilm. And yeah, those are my...
0: So, so there, there were all the Amazon properties, you know, trying to build that um, personalization experience for, for users. Was personalization quite important? Uh, obviously, it sounds like it was quite important in Amazon. My question has to do particularly with, like, the takeaways from Amazon. You being, you applying personalization to Amazon companies or Amazon websites. What takeaways did you take from that experience, in terms of the importance of personalization to e-commerce as a whole?
2: One thing which I would say was kind of an awakening for me was the fact that even big e-commerce retailers, like companies like Zappos, which were doing around $900 million in revenue back in 2010, Mm -hmm. there was scope of improvement in personalization, even in companies out there. So when I built the new personalization engine for them, They saw gains over the existing solution. So that was one of the awakenings for me, that there's always that scope of improvement, even for the big retailers out there. The other thing which I realized with personalization systems is a lot of times people get lost in focusing only on optimizing the machine learning user models and trying to get better algorithms while they tend to forget scale. So whenever you are building something for bigger enterprises, you need to keep in mind that not only should you be able to provide relevant results back to the end consumer in form of personalized widgets, but also you should ensure that you scale well with the number of products out there, with the number of users out there, while ensuring that your latencies and your solutions are as real-time as possible. Because what you want is that when a user is browsing on the website, you are able to give him recommendations right away. It shouldn't be like it takes a day to update your learning models, it takes a week to run all those algorithms in the backend and then figure out what each user's preferences are. It should all happen within milliseconds where you are able to give a personalized view to every end consumer.
0: That's, that's a very, very good point. The fact that um, skill was an issue with companies as big as Zappos Okay, so so, um, for us to sort of take this into context, could we take a step back, please? And could you explain how personalization works, both from the machine learning standpoint and the time lapse um, in terms of um, how much of time the machine actually needs to learn patterns through to to scale, please?
2: Okay, sounds good. Um, So personalization means that you understand your consumers well, and you're able to give them a personal experience on the website so when in early days uh, people used to con- confuse even smaller steps as personalization mm-hmm. like simple greeting on the website where they say things like uh, "Hi Conley, and then the normal web pages the fact that they used your name out there that also is personalization to mm-hmm. some extent but personalization goes much beyond it so In terms of products, we can choose that, okay, let's say if you're browsing on any of the e-commerce websites, based on what you're clicking on, what you're adding to cart, what you're rating, reviewing, purchasing, whatever interaction you have with the website. Based on that, I can keep on figuring out different preferences about you. So let's say if you're clicking on a bunch of different shirts, then I can figure out maybe that you are interested in blue shirts, which are made out of cotton which have stripes on it mm. i can figure out all of those different attributes based on what you have clicked on created added to cart and how you have interacted with the website and once i learn these preferences then i should be showing you personalized results in the area where you are interested in while your colleagues and your friends should see things in different form of shirts which they are interested in Okay. So the second level of personalization was what when people started to club users together and they started segmenting users and putting users within buckets. Mm. They used to say that, okay, Kunle and Saurabh are both interested in shirts. So we'll show both of them the best sellers within shirts, mm. which is still some level of personalization. Instead of showing you electronics product, I'm showing you shirts. Mm. But each user is different and each user deserves having an independent user model so what we do is that we take it to the granular level where we treat each user independently so the fact that you might be interested in blue striped shirts i might be interested in let's say pastel colored solid patterns Mm. so we'll see different types of shirts Mm. so that's what personalization is where you're treating each user differently and giving them personalized experience how we do it So as I said, we'll collect all sorts of behavior data on the website. So just like you have Google Analytics and all of these different analytics solutions out there, which will collect these data points and show it back to you in form of graphs, what we do is that we will keep on collecting what they're rating, adding to cart, buying, clicking on, how much time are they spending on each page, Mm -hmm. what are their social likes. Like There are correlations between things like people who write, like reading books uh, mm. of certain type they like to wear certain kind of clothes or they like to buy certain kind of electronic items so we will collect all of these datas for uh, each and every user mm. and we have our proprietary machine learning model on the back end which is an ensemble of uh, five different algorithms and they will automatically keep on getting trained with each and every data point of the user. Mm. And when we have to compute the recommendations for a given user, we'll use these five algorithms, figure out what should be the dynamic weightage given to which algorithm based on the user who's online and then give him personalized results back. And uh, to give you a broader idea about how these algorithms work, they can be put into, uh, let's say, three different categories. One is wisdom of crowds where you see what happens across the masses on the website. Mm -hmm. This is somewhat similar to how segmentation used to work early on, the first level of personalization that people were offering. So you'll see that, okay, if maybe 1,000 users have bought a Samsung TV and they bought a Samsung Blu-ray player along with it, so there's some correlation between the two. So if you're looking at a Samsung TV, I'll recommend a Blu-ray player to you. Mm -hmm that's the first level the second level is uh, where you start taking into account the catalog attributes if there are two items and they have let's say if there are two different books and they have a common author there might be some correlation between the two or if there are two books from the same genre then the two books might be related so and the third fact is where you start taking each user's individual user behavior into account So which is the fact which I was mentioning in terms of the modern personalization algorithms out there you need to ensure that you have the third type of algorithms in place where you'll take into account that not only is Kunle interested in Samsung TV what he's looking out for at this point of time he's looking for a 40 inch plus TV which is LED screen which has smart TV support and these three four features and while someone else is more interested in the Samsung brand and he doesn't care whether it has a smart TV support or not. So even though both of you are looking at the same TV, but you guys have different preferences and so you should see different recommendations.
0: Well, that's, that's a lot of um, data and info. So um, wisdom of the crowds, um, related items or related um, well, correlations and matched correlations and then individual behaviors on a case-by-case basis. So in terms of, I, I never really thought about um, looking at actions um, to, to, to kind of um, as a data point in the personalization experience, which, which is very, very interesting. Um, so what key data points are brands harnessing to effectively deliver a personalized shopping experience um, at level three?
2: So the strongest data point is definitely purchase if someone is buying a certain product that has the strongest signal in terms of their liking to that particular product. Mm -hmm. Second one comes in form of ratings. So whatever you are rating or whatever you are reviewing, that means you have certain sense of likelihood towards that product. Then are the other ones in this order, add to cart, then is the clicks, and then are the social lights. In this order are the behavior data points that we take into account. Um, In terms of The catalog data points which we have, the catalog attributes which we take into account, uh, which could be things like both of your, let's say two eyes are looking at a laptop. There are different catalog attributes which can be taken into account. What's the processor type in each? How much RAM do they have? What's a hard disk? And all those different preferences. So in terms of that, the weightage which is given to the brand or to the material or to the gender or to the product description or whatever that depends on company to company that depends on user to user there's no definite rule that okay we should always be giving more preferences to two products of the same category or two products of the same brand or two products of the same material or color there's no golden law like
0: that Mm. that's very interesting you know you mentioned widgets the fact that um, a lot of Personalization is being sort of executed through widgets. My question has to do with how email marketing actually fits into this jigsaw. Um, there's there's been a lot and um, a lot of um, talk about email automation, personalized email automation. Not just talk; as in, I'm actually seeing in the front line businesses um, harnessing the power of um, personalization through email um, to to nudge their um, their customers through. Um, to, to get to more sales off the back of their customers um, just by delivering um, funnels, basically marketing funnels through email um, how, how does like external personalization um, through widgets actually merge with um, email marketing, or are they at the moment still exclusive um, channels to tap into? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, definitely, both of the two things are related. Uh, the personalization with do fit very well within email marketing. So, talking a little bit from targeting mantra's perspective, we divide email marketing primarily into two parts. One is targeted and one is triggered. So, targeted is something where a marketing manager or a category manager decides that he wants to target certain consumers based on whatever rules he has in mind. Mm. It could be things like people who signed up last Thanksgiving and spent more than $1,000 on the platform since then. People who have viewed at least 10 products on my website but have bought zero products. So they create all of these different campaign rules. And we will then dynamically choose what users fall into that bucket. Now comes in the part of personalization widgets. Once he has created these segments that he wants to target we'll take each of these users individually and see what their preferences are so instead of sending the same bestsellers to all the users out there what we will do is that we'll see what kind of uh, what is the likelihood that a certain consumer will be interested in what bestseller so I won't send books bestsellers to everyone or I won't send electronics bestsellers to everyone or I won't even send Nikon same lenses to everyone like I'll see okay this guy is more likely to buy a Canon lens for his camera while someone else is more likely to buy a Nikon lens so each one will get these best sellers also in their email which are personalized to their taste and it's the personalization not only stops at product delivery but it also goes goes to the extent of what time is email being delivered so simple facts like, uh, let's say um, I'm a morning person, I tend to wake up at 6 a.m. in the morning, so it will send me an email around 5.45 or 6 when I'm more likely to open the emails, while a colleague of mine tends to check his emails after lunch every day, so he might get an email around 2 p.m. or 1 p.m. right after lunch where when he's more likely to check it. So we have not only personalized the content inside the email, as in the product which were present in the email campaign, but we also choose what time should we deliver the email. I, I reckon
0: you. Sorry for cutting you but I reckon you, you choose the time based on previous open rates. Um, the um, open yes. open times they have opened the emails um, in the past. Okay.
2: So there are two different factors out there. One factor is what time have they opened the email, mm-hmm. and the second factor is what time did they visit the website and bought. Buy something. Mm. To give you an example, uh, let's say you might tend to open an email in the office right now from an e commerce company, but you want to consult your partner, your spouse, your girlfriend mm. uh, once you're back home whether you want to buy that particular TV or not. So we'll then send you an email later in the night when you're more likely to open the email as well as visit the website within a certain time span. So our algorithms will figure that optimal time uh, using machine learning to choose for each user independently so no more trying to create those uh, same no more needs of creating those graphs and figuring out okay majority of my customers open email at 3 p.m so i'll send everyone at 3 p.m what we are trying to advocate in the market what you're trying to tell everyone is that each user is different so even though let's say 40 percent of your audience was opening an email at 3 p.m maybe the remaining 60 percent were opening at different time slots so we'll send that 40 percent of your audience still at 3 p.m maybe we'll send 10 percent at 7 a.m 15 percent at 11 a.m and at different times when they're more likely to open it
0: okay okay very very interesting very very interesting Okay, so um I wanted to ask you, given the fact that you run target targeting mantra, you've got loads of clients. you have a heavy presence in India and um you're growing um your presence out in the US and UK, what industries, particularly in e commerce, are you seeing benefiting from personalization, um both from um the Browser experience from you know browsing the internet, br- browsing a website. Sorry, through to email personalization. Well, email personalization. Let- let's put that aside. But more or less, um, personalization through widgets, on-site widgets. Um, what industries do you are you seeing tremendous or significant um, value off the back of um, recommending personalization and recommendations?
2: So personalization is not something which is limited only to a certain category of e-commerce companies or only to a certain verticals to give you a broad idea we have clients across who are marketplaces who sell all sorts of items to vendors who are in specific verticals like travel or jewelry or apparels baby products so and all of them have benefited from personalization on an average personalization drives anywhere between 10 to 40% of the overall site-wide revenue Mm. Um, that being said companies who benefit the most out of personalization are companies who generally have a long tail of catalog Mm. if you are anyway selling let's say 20 items on the website right now then personalization won't help a whole lot one of the key uses of personalization is saving your customers from the tyranny of choice.
0: Hmm.
2: There was a very famous jam experiment conducted in 1990s uh, by a professor in Colombia, where all the consumers were shown a bunch of different jams on the shelf. So in one case, they were shown six jams on the shelf. In the other one, they were shown like 30 or 50 jams on the shelf. Hmm. Um, So they saw that when people were given six options they were more likely to buy the product as opposed to people who were given 30 or 50 that is where personalization comes into picture
0: very 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 interesting because i'm reading a book called notch um, at the moment um it's by a gentleman um, by the name of richard thaler and um he is talking about things about um he's talking about the concept of being choice architects and how to optimize um that experience of being a choice ar- architect to nudge people not exactly control them but um, notch them towards doing um, the, the right thing obviously the skill could be used for good and evil but, but I could see this actually you know, used to, for, for, for good in general and um, to get them to, to narrow down exactly um, choice and give them the best available options
2: exactly mm. that's a very key thing a lot of people get stuck in the paralysis analysis of things And they don't end up deciding anything. And even if they decide... There was a follow-up of this jam experiment. I think the professor's name was Professor Iyengar. And then Leper or someone else did a follow-up experiment on this. That even though when people chose the jam from the uh, vast variety... As in from the 30 or the 50 jams... Mm. They they still doubted their choice. They had that biased emotion. What happened... uh, They were still wondering whether the other jams tasted better than the one which they bought so not only do people face uh, more trouble in making the choice but if they have been given a lot of choice even after making the choice they aren't that happy about the choice because they keep on thinking what about the other hundreds of thousands of other options which were out there
0: okay so so it's less about um vertical a particular vertical in e-commerce and it's more about the size of your catalog um and you you alluded to to um it being more about um long tail so where what size of catalog from an SKU standpoint or SKU standpoint would you start to see personalization or personalized widgets um starting to make an impact
2: um so Personalization widgets usually makes sense if you have more than uh, 400 SKUs on your website, as in you have more than 400 products. Mm. Also, if you are an commerce company, if you are a mobile uh, app who is targeting e-commerce space, then also personalization makes a lot of sense because you have limited real estate in terms of limited space that your end consumers can see on the phone so you want to choose which is the most relevant product and show to them where you could have possibly fit 30 items on the category page on a web page you can only fit maybe 8 or 6 on a phone therefore personalization becomes a lot more important out there
0: mm-hmm. ok so besides um, Amazon and all their companies um, which you have worked um, on What U.S. and um, or U.K. e-commerce players are you seeing um, that doing personalization really well, executing personalization really well?
2: One of the key things in personalization, which I would also want to lay stress on, is the fact that personalization should be real time. A lot of these e-commerce companies within U.S. and uh, within U.K. too, they have good personalization results out there. But they aren't real-time. like They won't take into account my behavior on the fly. Mm -hmm. So let's say I was buying a T-shirt last time I was there on the website uh, because it was summer, but now winter has started, so I am browsing through jackets. It will still remember the fact that I was browsing through T-shirts and keep on showing me a lot of T-shirt similarities, Mm -hmm. even though I started clicking on jackets. So that is one of the key places where a bunch of different websites... Have a huge scope of improvement. Um, that being said, companies which have really good personalization right now, um, I would say, within. So I haven't shopped a lot within UK. I've never lived in UK. So sorry. Uh, sorry. I would say within UK, Swimshop has good because they are one of our clients. <laughs> <laughs> Swimshop.
0: Yeah. Swimshop.co.uk. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd I'd um I'd, I'd share a link to the website on on um on the show notes
2: okay sure Um, and uh, in all seriousness within US uh, Etsy had good recommendations Mm -hmm. eBay definitely invests a lot in their personalization they have good results they have another problem which is called uh, deduplication of items so uh, with marketplaces one thing that becomes important is that there are 10 people who might list an iPhone out there so you cannot show these 10 different iPhones as similar to each other because they're all essentially the same product. Mm. So you want to group all of these SKUs into a parent SKU or in a parent thing, Mm. and uh, where you'll have the 10 different varieties of iPhones listed out there, things Mm. like that. Mm. So, yeah, bigger marketplaces have handled that problem quite well. eBay is definitely a leader out there. And, um, yeah, those are the names which come to my mind at this point.
0: Very good point. So, So what I'm gathering here is, Targeting mantra is bringing enterprise level personalization, which typically was technology for um, marketplaces and really high traffic enterprise websites, to the mid tier.
2: Yeah, true. That's right. Okay.
0: Okay. That's very very interesting. Okay. Um. I'm. I'm going to just. We're going to move into the final sets of question segment. Um. And I'd like to ask you about your predictions. Um. Um, on the future of um, personalization in in the space of um, e-commerce?
2: I believe personalization will keep on uh, evolving a lot with time and it will become more and more important. So specifically, over the internet, there are over three zettabytes of data being created every year. That is like 10 to the power 21 zeros. And (laughs) that amount of data is huge. So if there's so much data out there, personalization and personalizing algorithms will become all the more important because you'll have to choose what is right to be shown to what consumer. No one wants to know about all the news articles out there or all the movies out there or all the products out there. Everyone is interested in figuring out things around their interest. Mm. So that's going to be a key area not only in e-commerce but in any of the listing websites too.
0: And um Machine learning obviously seems to be um, a a predominant or dominant um, theme or technology in this for for this to to occur. What are your thoughts on privacy? So... um, you know it's it's almost a give and take you can't sit your cake and have it here you want a much more personalized experience um mm-hmm. a much more tailored experience um while you browse the internet or your favorite um internet platforms however you have to give <laughs> yeah um, a bit of um your you have to give a bit of knowledge about yourself to 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 get that personalized experience where do you see the lines um blurring uh, blurring sorry or where do you see um where, where do you see a, a straight cut line as to personalization and um, privacy?
2: So for end consumers, for speaking from the point of view of end consumers, definitely people don't like the fact that they are getting tracked somewhere. Uh, so what I started observing in terms of end consumer pattern is that they're open to the fact that you're making their lives easier, whether it's in form of movie recommendations on Netflix or. Product recommendations on Amazon or news recommendations on the news website. Mm-hmm. They're open to that fact, but they don't like the fact that they are being shown ads in different places. Mm-hmm. They don't like the fact that, oh, I was looking to buy a dress as a surprise for my wife. And I am on this news article website and it's showing me the ad out there that go ahead and buy this dress. Mm-hmm. And then my wife is sitting right by me. She's like, oh, are you cheating on me? Why are you looking at this dress, this and that? So definitely that's not a good thing out there. I would say that people would still stay open to personalization on the website, but ads, uh, seeing the amount of installations in terms of ad block plus is going to become. It needs. It will evolve a lot. It will change a lot. I don't know how it will change. What will happen in future? But uh, there are over fifty million ad block plus uh, installed on different block browsers out there. That means people don't want to see a lot of these intrusive ads.
0: Mm. I think that it would impact on um, Google's revenue. Um, but, <laughs> but I'm not True. quite sure how that's going to impact on um, Facebook, especially the inline um post Facebook post you know um, sponsored post but but yeah that 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 would be interesting <laughs> to to see in terms of um, its impact on on um, personalization and um, advertising okay um what ma- one marketing channel um, given that the future is clearly going to be personalized um, one and um, on the internet what marketing channel would you advise e-commerce entrepreneurs to to take seriously and prep themselves up for the age of personalization
2: um so having uh, spent a lot of time within india and us itself mm-hmm. i would say one of the key areas that people aren't targeting at this point is mobile is mobile notification reaching out to your consumers through mobile apps or notifications mm-hmm. or on the phone so within india itself uh leading e-commerce companies have more than 50 percent of their sales happening on mobile platform in today's state overall the con the countrywide average is around 35 percent at this point wow. uh while Stalker. within yeah while within us it's right now it's at around eight nine percent mm. so it's increasing it's definitely up from i think five percent uh a year before but it will take a little while before it gets popular within US. So the companies who realize that yes, mobile is going to be a big channel that consumers are going to browse from and purchase things from, then they will be at an advantage if they have started targeting their end consumers on a mobile platform early on.
0: I have a question in regards to mobile notifications. um, How to websites, especially in the mid-tier, tap into notifications when they don't have mobile apps?
2: Um, Thankfully, Chrome has created a thing right now which sends uh, web notifications on your mobile browser. Even though they don't have mobile apps at this point, they can send notifications to consumers who have their websites open on the mobile browser. That's something which Chrome just launched a couple of weeks ago. It will. I haven't seen anyone sending notifications on it, so I don't know how long will it be before.
0: Uh, I have. Um, there's a company called um, Roost. Is it Roost or Roaster, and they were doing um, iOS um, notifications for for desktop notifications, and um, they um, started to implement something in Chrome notifications on Chrome. You know, um, just as you said, which which would be quite interesting. I'm hoping Safari will join um, the. The party really, and um, especially with the with the watch, um, it'd be it just make more sense if um, Safari drone because there are more um, iOS devices in, in the US and um, UK um, as compared sure. to Android. I just want to take us back to um, what you said in terms of um, one of the, um, the data points you you look into, and um, you, you you mentioned the fact that you look into um, time. Um, time is it's almost like a, a Z dimension, you know. Um, But um, what about location and device? Because if someone's on their tablet and they're on a website at 9 p.m. on a tablet, Mm -hmm. um, I I would believe they're very likely going to purchase at that point in time. You know, 9 o'clock, evening, relaxed. I'm in my home environment. Um, I'm shopping probably in front of my television and I'm with my um, iPad. So is is your platform and your technology um, taking these other factors in terms of um, understanding the location of the user? Are you able to also um, kind of figure out, so if they've sort of put in their delivery address, um, mm-hmm. would, they, would you be able to um, you know, get the coordinates? This is creepy. This is now sounding creepy. <laughs> and um, understand their device and um, give them a much more tailored um, experience.
2: Yes, yes, actually we do that. Uh, as creepy as it sounds, uh, we we do that. We figure out the location of the users. So if you're browsing from, uh, let's say, Seattle at this point, I would show you something related to rain. Uh, you might be likely to buy rain boots or something like that. If you're shopping from California, I'll probably show you something which goes on fashion in the West Coast. If you're shopping from New York, I'll show you dress shoes. If you're in Hawaii, I'll show you flip-flops. So we do take location into account with regards to what's the weather and what's the overall location behavior like. Um, What you are saying is something which we are building at this point, which we call contextual recommendations, where we try to take into account the context as in, the external context of the consumer in which he's browsing so this could be things like um, so if you're looking for to watch a movie on a friday night and we know that friday night you usually tend to watch a movie with a date so we'll recommend you romantic movies while if you're looking to watch a movie on a weekday around tuesday or wednesday we know that you're going out with your friends or something so we'll recommend you comedy or action movies depending on your taste so that is a different level of contextual recommendation, where We are trying to figure out at this point of time these users tend to be in so and so mood, and they will be spending in this way.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, because um, I, you know, the fact that you mentioned mobile being in the future, um, yeah, I think location is going to really add into context. Okay, one other question I had was um, in regards to. Could it be beneficial in in you know in some occasions for brands to utilize the space for widgets, you know personalization widgets to drive in a message like um you know uh, an offer, for instance or um, a coupon code, um, mm-hmm. rather than um, other products. So if like I don't know there are ten items in in a basket and, um, you know, um, you want to nudge them to to check out. Is is that um, an option or um, do you think other means like um, an exit pop-up would um, be more beneficial at that point in time?
2: Um, I love your questions. You are mentioning all the points that we guys are offering that we are building (laughs) at this point. Um, Yeah, to answer that, yes, I am not a big fan of pop-ups. I... I usually advise all my clients also to stay away from pop-ups because it's kind of intrusive to the end consumer and they don't like it. And in terms of personalizing offers and showing the right coupon code or the right coupon to the users, the way we do it at this point is we do it in form of a hello bar on the top. So right on the top of the page, we'll show a very thin bar and that will contain a coupon code or something which is most applicable to you. So if you're in the market to buy sunglasses, we'll show you a coupon code for sunglasses in the price range where you are likely to buy. The other form of intelligence we are putting out there at this point is figuring out how much of a nudge does the end consumer need in order to buy at that point. So mm-hmm. that's something which we are still working on. We haven't launched yet, uh, where we'll figure out does it make sense to show this coupon code at this point or should we avoid showing the coupon code till he is most likely to abandon the card or till he is most likely to not make a purchase?
0: Mm. I, I, I would slightly disagree. As much as you like my questions, I slightly disagree with you in the undergrads to um, exits and 10 pop-ups. But I would say that um, the technology available for exits and 10 pop-ups I think is a bit one-dimensional. And um, I think with this deep machine learning um, platform such as um, targeting mantra and, you know, whatever alternatives there are in the market, there is a lot of opportunity to use all that data and harness it for, through different technologies, be it the widget, um, be it email marketing, and, or um, be it exit intent, um, either through the platforms themselves you know, um launching products within that ecosystem or, or providing APIs to third party systems that do it really well. hmm I think. Um don't know what your thoughts are on, on that.
2: Yeah, like to me as an end consumer, I haven't been a huge fan of pop ups. Okay. I do get your point of view that uh if personalization is done in the right way then there won't be any irrelevant pop-up which is being shown to the end consumer. Mm. So if it's a relevant thing and it's coming across the page, then yes, it will be useful to the consumer. Mm. But um, yeah, it's something which we will have to A-B test and figure out what does uh, the majority of the people, what do pe- majority of the people, people want to see.
0: It is subjective, yes. yes and, uh, and I guess um, yeah, wisdom of the crowds will would nodge us to the right direction. Okay, um, with regards to tools, books, and resources, anything, can you make a recommendation to our listeners, um, the online retailers and their ambitious online retailers looking to drive growth? Any resource, any tools you, you think you, you would suggest that they, um, they, they grab, they learn, they, they tap into?
2: one of the things that comes to my mind at this point is a book uh, i'm reading by peter thiel mm. uh, it's called zero to one mm. uh, that goes around uh, like how you should build your company how you should take your company from zero to one how do you how do you accelerate your company so definitely that's one of the things which i would uh, recommend people to read something which is specific to e-commerce um, I remember there was this blog by I think Chris Anderson on uh, long tail. Um, so what happens is that majority of the people are still coming from the mindset of the retail stores, and what what used to happen in retail stores is because of the limited shelf space, they used to keep the bestseller items close closest to the counter or at the eye level, because people tend to pick those up and buy them right away. Mm-hmm. And coming from that same mindset, a lot of times e commerce companies are focusing only on keeping on promoting their best sellers. What they don't realize is that the long tail, uh, if they draw the demand graph across the products, then the long tail for the majority of the products might sum up to be much more than the sale of best sellers. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, Chris Anderson wrote this article in uh mid nineties I would say, or early two thousand I think. And uh yeah, it's a very famous long tail story by him. Well, which, have,
0: uh, I've read articles been that that's a fantastic it gives fantastic insights into into the impact of a long tail and zero to one is amazing. I, I like it because um, you know, it's it's the anti um well, it it embraces monopoly. Um, the fact that um and I'm seeing that um success in e commerce is coming from the more innovative companies that have not done what anybody else has done before, and um they just take the lead in that um segment and and then they hold it, which is interesting thank you okay um before you you say your're you're good, your, your, your goodbye um, could you um share the best way listeners could um get in touch with you or prior to that, um, could you just give one parting piece of advice to online retailers looking to grow their, their businesses?
2: Um, I would say always remember that your consumers are right. Your consumers are the one you're supposed to make them happy. Don't get carried away by sending too many campaigns to your end consumers or just trying to provide them with a bad experience always keep a consumer-centric approach. Amazon and Zappos are the leaders in terms of uh, consumer-centric e-commerce companies mm. to keep them as an ideal uh, when, when you're building your e-commerce company. Do ensure that your consumers get the best treatment out there.
0: Fantastic. Do you have any plans of um, coming into the US and the UK markets?
2: Yeah, we are uh, rolling out across a bunch of different companies in the U.S. and the U.K. market. Okay. We also have an office in the U.S. market in Bay Area, uh, in Mountain View. In okay. fact, i spent spend uh, seven, eight months in U.S. itself. Okay. And uh, within U.K., we aren't setting up a office at this point. Mm-hmm. But yes, we do keep on traveling to U.K. quite often and we do have a customer base out there too.
0: Okay, well, I'll be sure to share all your um, contact details on um, on the show notes. Um, finally, what's the best way for listeners who want to get in touch with you?
2: Um, I would say the best way to reach me is through email uh, because I am traveling quite often and my phone might be off or might be in a different time zone. So I might not be able to receive your calls. So my email ID is uh, Saurabh, S-A-U-R-A-B-H, at the rate, TargetingMantra.com. So it's my first name at my company name, TargetingMantra.com.
0: Fantastic. I'll share it. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, Saurabh. And um, thank you for sharing your insights on, on
1: personalization
0: in e-commerce in the future.
2: Yeah, it was a pleasure talking with you too, Kenley. Have a great day. Cheers.